Life Happens Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. It's 10 past 1. Happy Wednesday to you, wherever you may be. It's a cold in Johannesburg. It's Life Happens Time. My name is Komoto Keiji Mwekets. It's Wednesday, the 21st of July. We are leading the conversation as SAFM. And whenever you want to join that conversation, call us on the Joburg number 011-714-2006. You can also SMS us on the number 41391. That SMS will cost you around 50. We are also on the WhatsApp. Line 061 4107. We are on FM 104 to 107 nationwide, and we're also on the DSTV Audio Bouquet Channel 814. We're on Twitter as well as um, at SAFM Radio. I'm also there. I'm at KG Mwekezi. And when you talk to us about the things we're talking about here, please hashtag SAFM Life Happens. So it's Wednesday. We themed around life in South Africa, we're themed around agriculture. And we're also themed around the environment. So in our Life in South Africa segment, we're going to ask uh, two people and you particularly uh, the responsibility you feel you should have or do take or do not take whenever you go on any social media platforms. What role does social media play in inciting violence? Because we know uh, that the South African government and the South African authorities are now monitoring a lot of social media. Uh, to see who incited the violence uh, that happened last week, who, you know, pushed people to go and loot. In fact, we just heard in the news of a radio presenter or a former radio presenter who was in court at the Renberg Magistrates Court, who apparently used social media platforms uh, to incite the violence that happened in Guazulu Natal and in Gauteng, at least is one of the famous 12 that we heard about uh, from uh, the officials. So we want to have a conversation with you and uh, with um, Sarah Britton, who is an independent communication strategist with over 20 years experience on some of South Africa's most iconic brands, and Mighty Jamie. If you're on Twitter, you know Mighty Jamie. Mighty Jamie is quite famous on Twitter. Uh, he's an independent political analyst because the recent lootings, many people have shared their views specifically on social media, but has everybody been responsible in doing so? South African Police Minister Begit said at a press conference yesterday that a cluster of security ministers were monitoring all social media platforms and are tracking those who are sharing false information and calling for civil disobedience that uh, we knew resulted in the destruction of infrastructure and the torching of shopping malls. He also said he will use the Cybersecurity Act to jail offenders for up to three years as experts are weighing in saying social media was being used as a dangerous tool to mobilize the ongoing attacks. The cyber protection legislation that was passed in 2020 stipulates that it is an offense to incite violence or call people to be involved in the destruction of any property on social media. Today, as I said, we're asking what role does social media, if at all, play in inciting violence? Let's start with you, Mighty Jamie. Uh, you're an independent political analyst and a highly active um person on Twitter. Maybe let's start with that question. What role does social media play, if at all, in inciting violence? Hi, KG. Thanks so much for having me. I think before I go directly to the answer, it's important to, in, to define incitement because I think 
there's a common usage of the word, which is not necessarily the legal usage of the word. So according to the legislation, which here is the Riotous Assemblies Act 17 of 1956, the relevant section being Section 8.2, incitement is defined in, in the following way. Any person who incites, instigates, commands, procures any other person to commit any offense, whether at common law or against the stat- statute or statutory ge- definition, shall be guilty of an offense. So that's the definition of uh, incitement under law, and that entails verbal uh, incitement where you in- instruct, encourage, implore, persuade, hire, put pressure on, or bribe somebody. And it also includes nonverbal um, incitement where you use gestures and symbols that demonstrate the outcome that you want. So Snyman, uh, the criminal law uh, professor, he says that if a prostitute pulls up her skirt uh, and shows it to somebody, uh, that can constitute incitement. Uh, if you pull your finger across a throat, that can also constitute incitement. So I think it's important for us to be aware what actually is the legal term. And there is something that is also important to outline. There is a concretization requirement um, for something to constitute incitement. And that means that there must be specificity around what activity is actually being advocated for, either specific to the crime or to the group of crimes. And it must be specific that it's required of why to be done. So I think there's been a lot of um, provocative commentary on the internet, especially on Twitter and even in WhatsApp groups. But we must consider whether or not all of that is actually incitement or some of it is incitement. So that would be the the, the first thing I would say. And then the second thing I would then say to respond more directly to your question is that, of course, people can participate in inciting behavior online and everyone has to be more careful around how they use their online platforms, especially in volatile periods, because those are the periods wherein the energy in the room is very delicate And some people can put a finger on one thing or another thing, you know, and some people can feel strongly for the poor, the marginalized others for, you know, retail outlets and owners of capital. And all of those things happen simultaneously. And obviously, anyone with a platform has to be very careful what they say and what they disseminate and what they share. Yeah. Notwithstanding the legal definition that uh, Mighty Jamie gave us, Sarah, are you there now? I'm here. Fantastic. Can uh, I can hear you perfectly. Welcome, by the way. Uh, notwithstanding uh, the legal definition that Mighty Jamie uh, just gave us about what inciting is, the general understanding we all have and the dictionary explanation of incitement is really to encourage people or to stir them up. And we know that when we go to social media, all of us push our own personal agenda. We push our political systems. We push our social backgrounds. Uh, you know, there's something that defines each and every one of us, whether we're brands or we're not brands, would you say social media can be used to incite violence? I certainly, from my personal point of view and in my experience as um, a communication strategist, I think social media is incredibly powerful. Um, It's very good at whipping up emotions and it's very good at uh, um, plugging into emotions and People tend to react first and think later. Mm. And, and I think every single one of us has posted something in anger or got into a tour. 
I'm an almighty Jamie. You've been in many, many tours. Um, I'm a fellow veteran of Twitter. And I think um, there, there's a debate as to whether, in the case of last week, what was the role of Twitter? Mm. I certainly was very disturbed by what I was seeing coming out of um, some of um, Jacob Zuma's um, children um, who appeared to be calling for violence and saying we're coming for Harry Smith or, you know, let's go to the airport. Um, and I'd be interested to know whether, um, from a legal standpoint, that constitutes incitement. Mm. And I think down, down the line, probably somebody needs to write a PhD or, or do some serious data analysis as to the role of Twitter versus, for example, WhatsApp. Uh, because, it's, it's, you know, on Twitter, it's very easy to see, oh, this person has a million followers. Um, they're obviously very influential. Mm. But what if WhatsApp was actually the more influential? And that's the one we don't see. And I think this raises really interesting philosophical questions down the line because there were many calls, um, and, and in fact, I was one of them, who asked, you know, reported um, Jacob Zuma's daughter to um, Twitter to ask to please take her um, account down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sorry for all the background noise. I'm actually in a vaccine. I, I heard that you're in a, in fact, I heard that you're in a vaccination queue. Yes, and as a and, person and, who's vaccinated, congratulations. Thank you. I'm nearly there. I've been here for two hours. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the vaccination discussion is also very interesting mm-hmm. in terms of incitement um, and uh, influencing behavior. But that's a completely different discussion. Yeah. But I would be really interested to know whether what we saw on Twitter, um, particularly from Jacobson's daughter, um, constitutes incitement. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the issue of where one stands, and I th- I love that we just had the vaccination discussion because somebody can easily say right now, as I say to you, congratulations from a person who's been vaccinated. That I'm indirectly saying to everybody within an ear of me, go and get vaccinated, even the ones that may not necessarily want to be vaccinated. What kind of thinking should we, as citizens outside? of what our individual brands stand for. What kind of thinking were we supposed to take as citizens to our social media platforms, particularly last week when we were watching our country literally burn down because of that insurrection? I I think we need to be responsible and not respond emotionally. I certainly try to share positive stories of South Africans who are part of the cleanup. Um, I saw an amazing photo of a woman cleaning up after the riots in Moy Moy River. And she she really inspired me. So I did a painting of her. I shared that to my platform. And I think for me as an individual, it was really important to share something positive Mm -hmm. and to avoid the narrative because that narrative is always going to be there. And we we live in a country where we have a, um, a very dark, history of racial division, mm-hmm. there's always a risk that that narrative is going to raise, raise its head, its ugly head. Mm. And I think we saw a really interesting battle over narratives in the wake of the rioting where obviously many people were horrified. A lot of people had explanations. Poverty was a cynical um, um, politicking. But a lot of people are incredibly invested in reasserting a narrative of South Africa as a country where we actually all want the same thing. Mm-hmm. That we, there's more that 
um, you know, we have in common that divides us. And that's a really, well, from my point of view, and I am a good old-fashioned idealist, I think yeah. that's a good narrative to be pushing. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, go, go on. You can finish your trail of thought, uh, uh, Sarah. Yes, I, I think it's, it's also about narratives. It's and, also and about narratives. And, and, and Mighty Jamie know, will, will be able to offer um, a lot of clarity on this. Is let's let's of, go to Mighty Jamie because yes. I, I think Sarah Mighty uh, brings a, a, an interesting point on the table when she talks about the emotions we all take when we go to Twitter. And we know that in most cases, uh, the issue of narratives, for example, uh, Twitter is a space, and, and, I, and, and I'm not sure how we ended up uh, dealing only with Twitter because uh, this discussion is about all the social media spaces, including WhatsApp and the impact it had in disseminating information. But Twitter is an emotionally charged space and it most of the time is a space of debate versus it being a state, uh, a space of engagement. People don't want to talk generally. They want to win. Uh, you know, the, the, everybody wants to take their logic and have it being placed as the superior logic. And I ask you the same question I asked Sarah, right? So what message, if at all, notwithstanding our individual brands, were we supposed to take to our social media platforms last week, whether they're Twitter or Facebook or the information that we were disseminating uh, through WhatsApp? Yeah, so there's, there's um, three things I want to say. I mean, I think that Firstly, I think WhatsApp may have played a bigger role in some of the organization of the unrest that we saw than social media did because it's an encrypted platform. Mm-hmm. It's a one on one platform. And I think people who were intending to do illegal activities were probably arranging them on WhatsApp more than other platforms. Mm-hmm. There are some videos which we've seen from some of the security companies in, um, you know, the Phoenix area, which uh, were quite provocative, quite incendiary which were being distributed via whatsapp some of them and i think that uh, a good question is to be asked around just the conduct of certain you know community groups on whatsapp and and those kind of things mm-hmm. speaking now about narrative and debate uh, on digital platforms i think for me i'm i'm very um, reticent to buy into narrative because narrative is a story told by a side and i think what's important for anybody to know is the full picture because mm. a version being presented to you by one side or another. So if one side says it's about Zuma and another side says it's about ethnic uh, co- uh, tensions being exacerbated, it doesn't mean that either side is giving you the full picture. They're giving you the picture that benefits their political aims and objectives. And sometimes the media participates in, ma- in narrative. But I think what's important for anybody who's consuming information is to try to find out the full picture through the narrative that they are being told. And unfortunately, you know, there are elements on Twitter where people seek to be right over seeking to get quality information, and they seek to advance their political objectives over seeking political information. But real debate is not about being right. Real debate is about determining what is true, prudent, and wise, Mm. so that you can determine the correct uh, course of action in a particular scenario. So you will find that people who are robustly committed to intellectual engagement are seldom trying to be right, mm-hmm. are seldom entering the conversation with ego. But unfortunately, those conversations are difficult to have on social media because uh, social media is, um, you know, there are many different people participating for different reasons. Yeah. But um, I think when it comes to the other question you asked uh, around how should we navigate uh, 
content creation on platforms such as uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, maybe even TikTok, mm. which are you know which which have a public facing front. I think three principles um, sh- should should come to the forefront. Number one should be do no harm. I think that you should not actively seek to cause harm on platforms such as social media. Number two, I think, is to act in responsible ways. So if you know that there are fault lines, racial, tribal, class fault lines, you know, um, it's not responsible to participate in the exacerbation of those particular things. But lastly, I think that um, in a country where there's a large amount of uh, inequality, where uh, you know, the the history is that of colonialism, racism, apartheid. It's important to try to always look at things from the perspective, and this is my ideological view, of the marginalized and the disenfranchised, so that you don't, uh, you know, become part of the system and a voice for the system as opposed for the voice for the disenfranchised. Yeah. So what you'll find is that um, while there were some stories about TVs being looted and fridges and all of that, there were also stories of uh, little boys taking underwear from shops because they hadn't had clean underwear for a while. You know, and I think that it's important to remember that many of the people who participated in the activities of last week, even though they were exploited by politicians, have real socioeconomic needs that have not been addressed. You know, to see uh, a young boy, age of 10, in the cold, uh, holding uh, underwear and a few T-shirts, I mean, was just an indication that he has been left alone for so long by the system that he could even think that that wasn't a legitimate thing to do. So, I mean, those are narratives that uh, I tried to participate in because some of the other narratives were being pushed for different reasons. But I think at the core of our consideration we have to be thinking about people who are so marginally excluded that they can be exploited by political actors so easily because we've all known that there's a ticking social time bomb and it's called inequality specifically of a uh, asset income and wealth uh, uh, you know uh, definition can i can i stay there with you on the mm. issue of inequality and and remember that at the end of the day uh contextually our discussion is about the impact of social media particularly at a time uh that we 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 had like the time last week and can we can we try to remember where we are because uh you spoke about you know uh the fact that people need to try as best they can to get the full picture, uh, you know, mm. uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, the full analysis as as opposed to the bites. But people get the bites because people cannot afford data in this country. That's why I'm saying let's remember where we are and the magic or, or, or sometimes the disadvantage of the social media spaces is that sometimes somebody, uh, you know, will get a little bit of data, right, uh, and get just a piece of information that is enough to spark them in a direction that perhaps they may have felt, you know, uh, driven towards by other dynamics in their, in their, in their life. And I ask this in relation to uh, your reference to uh, people not going to social media to do to do no to do any harm and we know people go sometimes to social media to do harm that's why there are accounts uh, that aren't sometimes verified a lot of accounts Mm. unverified people don't
don't even put their faces there anymore. Uh, people will go there and create an account uh, separate to their main account to push a specific agenda. Those people exist. Uh, Twitter or Facebook or all of these platforms aren't really places for theses. Nobody goes there to read a thesis or to overanalyze anything. A lot of the people in our country, because of issues of affordability, get in and get out and get what it is mm. that they need and leave after they get what it is that they need. So what do you say then to that belief that I have that actually nobody has the time to read a long thesis? Oh, no. Uh, my p- a producer is telling me it's time for the news headline. So let me okay, pause. We'll let me pause. Let me pause that thought and let's get back to it, uh, particularly around the fact that we live in a data um infused issue country it's 1:30 it's time for the news headlines with Luanda Maome tweet at sfm radio and at kg moegezi um, welcome back. We're talking the impact of uh, social media or the role that social media uh, played in inciting the violence that we saw in our country. In fact, I'm seeing a flash on a television screen in front of me uh, that says Gwazul Natal apparently suffered an estimated 20 billion rand in losses just from uh, the situation uh, that we faced last week. Do, did you apply your mind at all, uh, uh, Mighty, to what I was saying before we went to break? Mm. Mm. Yes, and uh, just to recap for anyone who's just joining, you spoke about how, you know, we don't have high-quality discourse uh, on Twitter because of the soundbite phenomenon where people chase soundbites and also how people have uh, limited data availability. And I'd like to add that there's also a third factor to consider, which is confirmation bias, where people go and try to find accounts that they already agree with mm. and then don't and necessarily go And people that they agree into... with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, those are, those are real features and they're challenges. But I think the first thing I would say is, you know, when we talk about data limitation, it makes me wonder how much of the organization was actually done digitally because some of the people who were uh, participating in the looting activity and some of the other activities would be the very same people who, are, who don't have high access to data. So, you know, it makes you wonder how were they being organized and coordinated? How did people know to go over here versus going but over do, there? But do we know that, Mighty, as a fact, no, of the, 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 the profile of the person who looted? Because there was a variation. There was the child, there was the grandmother, mm-hmm. there was the grandfather, there was the person you just described, there was the guy we saw driving a German car who got into a fancy store to get what he needed. He came back later to say, no, it wasn't me. But, you know, the videos, they don't lie. They tell us what they tell us. So it, it was almost multi... Uh, mm. it, 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 you, you can't today walk into a mall and, pay, and point at someone and say, this is the face of somebody who looted. That's how diverse course, yeah. the looters were. But, but I, I do think that some of the uh, some of the places where the people were coming from do have a particular, you know, LSM and, and they, they, they do have limitations that we're talking about data because those are also prevalent across the board. So, I mean, there were people looting washing machines and jeeps and all kinds of bizarre things. I think those people just tend towards criminality. But but having said all of that, I think to go back to the to the detail of how do you deal with those kind of things, mm. I would say that some people do care about the in-detail conversations, and you'll sometimes see it, you know, Mm. where people have threads, and those threads have a thousand retweets, Mm -hmm. and you can see that there is an appetite for that. Mm. But at the same time, we can't make it seem as if it's a a perfect picture. Social media is a messy place, Mm -hmm. and I think what, what people have to try to do is to 
curate experiences for people so that they know that I, over there, I'm just going to get dating conversation. Over there, it's chaotic and it's full of bots and it's full of attacks and insults. Mm. But there are platforms where we can have serious discourse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if, if you like check some of the conversations I try to participate in to ground them in the legal theory, ground them in the definitions so that we can at least, you know, move ahead with, with some kind of consistency of quality and have clear questions that we're asking Mm. but unfortunately it doesn't happen everywhere and that is the challenge of social media because at the end of the day it's a contested space people are using fake accounts they are bot accounts Mm. there's paid twitter there's political party twitter and people come in there to support their political party it's a very difficult space to have conversations and i do think that there's going to have to be some kind of academic analysis done. And I hope master's students and PhD students are listening because this moment was an example of how we can have local issues uh, exacerbated by social media. In other countries, they've done this kind of research. Mm -hmm. You know, they've looked in Myanmar, they've looked in India, how social media was an influential force to particular movements, to particular oppression, and how even the denial of social movements because sometimes social media can also be for good. You know, in Swaziland, they try to curtail access to social media. In Nigeria, because people can also use it to organize yeah. for legitimate reasons. It's yeah. just a messy space, yeah. and we have to navigate carefully. Okay. We have to remember, we have somebody uh, queuing uh, in the form of Sarah Britton, uh, independent communication strategist. She's in a queue to try and get her vaccine, so we shouldn't forget her. We need to keep dipping in on her. But for now, uh, Sarah, please pause a second as I go to four voice notes so that I have uh, our listeners join in on this conversation. Let's hear what they had to say. Hi, this is Chico here. I just want to say to your guest, I think any where that is the results of pulling others into destruction is incitement because, you know, you find people are saying they try to come with a reason, but the reason it's all about inciting, you know, making other person believe that this thing is happening because of just like uh, uh, foreign nationals you find people are saying uh, we don't have a job because the foreign nationals are taking our job which is not true thank you so much for show. hi kg uh, i think it, it is ridiculous uh, to have that guy held accountable for for what happened last week i mean uh, the guy has been a troublemaker even if I can put it that way, uh, even while he was working for Cozy FM. So to to take such a guy uh, and then deem him influential enough to 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 cause such uh, devastation, then it, it just means we 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 just want a scapegoat. There's nothing intelligent about that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, afternoon, KG. Tato from Bloemfontein. Well, yes, of course, social media, it's a big platform. And of course, it can be used to, to incite violence. But uh, on a personal view, I think a incitement of violence and, viol- and violence itself can be deeply moral. Uh, especially when uh, a person is in, is inciting people to revolt 
against a a a, a abusive government to overthrow it i think uh, that that is morally right i don't think there's anything wrong with it and uh, as uh, brother malcolm x said uh, a bullet is as powerful as a pallet thank you good day guys this is bonnie from east london you know last week when the looting was going on uh, i was having a conversations with my colleagues I was condemning the whole action, uh, the way that it was being treated, the way it was happening. But then I was branded as someone who was speaking from a position of uh, privilege because I had a job and those people didn't have a job and things like that. So, so I know sometimes you can be you can be very subjective because maybe I don't understand. Uh, can someone make me understand why uh, looting, destruction of property and crime is considered a correct thing for for the masses? Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're all trying to figure it out, right? We're all trying to figure it out. Uh, the gentleman who was charged today, uh, who they call, uh, in fact, I think they referenced him as a radio DJ. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, the NPA uh, said is that uh, he chartered flights. <laughs> I'm thinking I want to be that kind of DJ who can charter a flight, but I'm not. Uh, we are in conversation about the responsibility, if at all, we all have uh, with the things we spew. Uh, yes, I said the word spew uh, out on social media. And that conversation is driven by Sarah Britton, independent communication strategist with over 20 years experience on uh, on some of South Africa's most iconic brands. And uh, Mighty Jamie is an independent political analyst and a, uh, a person who is quite active on Twitter. Sarah, if Brand South Africa were to come to you, all right? and say uh, we want to do a campaign uh, to find ways to rebuild our image uh, overseas or to anybody who considers us as Brand South Africa a partner. Uh, what kinds of things would you say they should do to redefine at this time if that campaign is only online? That's a very good question, and I've actually been grappling with this myself. How do we create positivity online? How do we shift the narrative around South Africa? I think a lot of people have already started doing that um, and sharing authentic um, videos from the ground of people actually just getting up and doing stuff, doing their little bit to fix things. And that's enormously moving and encouraging. It's, it's almost like there are two South Africans right now battling against each other. And of course I am, you know, that's my own confirmation bias, something that might be Jamie brought up, is that um, there seems right now to be these competing forces, the forces of destruction and the forces of renewal and hope. And brand South Africa's job is really to shape narratives around South Africa because we are, you know, people relate to stories more than they relate to anything else. You know, and, and one of the dangers of the situation we saw last week is that we're going to we're going to succumb to the lure of easy explanation. I suspect that it is very complex. There are multiple competing factors, as your fellow guest rightly pointed out. And the problem with um, making you know an easy and, and, and you know nicely digestible narrative is that it leads to longer-term problems. I think that is, you know, in some ways, uh, 
what we saw last week was the culmination of the Rainbow Nation narrative, mm. which mm. took place in South Africa, even though it was driven by the international media. Mm-hmm. It tapered over the cracks. And I think for me, as a privileged middle-class white South African um, who works in branding and marketing and wants to be able to shop at Woolworths and wants to know nice things in life, I think we really do need to focus more on the marginalized um, to make sure that they are included in the social contract, that people like the poorest of the poor who are actually getting out there and making a difference, they're the ones who should be celebrated. I think there's going to be a rush, like this huge emotional response to the angst we saw last week. People mm-hmm. want to celebrate all that's good about our country, and in doing that, in rushing to do that, the risk is that we're going to make the same mistake again, and we're not going to address those root causes, mm-hmm. which is inequality. It is the fact that we have more than a million, 11 million jobless people in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, middle, middle class South Africans who have access to data and can have nice conversations and speak, I really think we need to change. Yeah. Um, it was certainly a wake up call for me. Personally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've been referencing uh, the Einstein quote uh, in the last couple of days, Sarah, about the definition of stupidity being doing the same thing over and over again yes. and, and expecting different results. Um, I saw a tweet, uh, in fact, this week uh, that was saying uh, to two brands, South Africa, please do not go and get a couple of celebrities and pay them, uh, you know, uh, some money and ask them to influence us differently. Do something different. Would you agree with that tweet that says, no, please, not celebrities. They shouldn't be the ones to tell us how to behave at this point in time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think we are tired of celebrities. We're tired of Instagram influencers with their beautiful shots of Dubai. Mm. I think what what I personally am trying to do right now is celebrate um, ordinary people who yeah. to do the right thing, even though they could very easily have joined in the looting. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, there are so many very good people out there who have very hard lives, who struggle to make ends meet, and who really deserve better. Um, and they deserve better from their fellow citizens, from their government. And I, I think as, as South Africans, who have the ability to pay taxes, to drive cars, and have access to all of those things. Mm-hmm. We really need to come together and figure out a new way yeah. to make sure that they are included. Because if we don't, this will keep happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We really don't want this to keep happening. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Mighty, I I just asked uh, uh, Sarah a question about something that I saw on Twitter about, you know, I'm trying to to, to chart a path uh, for us as South Africa uh, uh, going forward. Interestingly, uh, in the same vein, I saw somebody else saying, ooh, the same people who were uh, looting yesterday are today the same people that are now cleaning. So you loot yesterday and then you clean today. How how do we... then redefine and chart a path forward that says this is a level of positivity. South Africans are picking themselves up. They're saying not in our name. This is not okay. We want to build. We don't want to destroy. Right. These questions are always tricky because the, the, the response will always be which South Africans, right? Because yes. uh, some people are committed to that cause. Other people are still committed to other causes. There's 
sexy violets in the Western Cape. There's still uh, massive disparities in wealth and uh, inequality, and some of the people are aggrieved, and there's political activity going on in mm-hmm. the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's never simple because I don't think that there has been a lot of work done mm. to build this unified perception of the South African vision moving forward. Mm-hmm. And when you start having tough conversations about the economic disparity, unfortunately, many people don't take the views that have been taken by uh, our co-guests. Is, is there is a reluctance to have discussions about justice, mm-hmm. about reform, about equitability. And so some of our responses are then superficial and then they get a backlash as days go by. Because people will think, oh yeah, I don't want malls to be to be to be um, looted, and they'll work with other people. But then those people go back to their suburban homes, and they stay poor in the townships, and then it becomes, oh, we saw the middle class come, you know, to protect. But it's not necessarily only the middle class though that went to clean malls, or whether that no, be Fosloras. Some or... of them, some of them have been pushing the narrative more aggressively because it's okay. this. Mandela version of South Africa. And I'm not critical of that. Okay. All I'm saying is that it's a bandage on a cancer. Okay. And a bandage on a cancer, even even the people within the communities who are more maybe affluent and asking, why are they looting, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them have had the benefit of jobs and privilege and access even within the township community. You know, we're not all equal just because yeah. we're all in the township. But, but also not all poor people are made equal. It's not a fact that all poor people looted. But I want to go to a call. Uh, Nikita mm. in Kabeha. Uh, Nikita, do you want to join this conversation? Quite complex. Uh, uh, hello, Katie, and your guest in studio. How are you? We are well. We are well. Oh, thank you very much for this opportunity. So I just want to start by saying there's an issue with uh, political ideologies, right? And I went back to my old politics textbook, and um, one thing uh, Karl Popov describes that uh, for some people, political ideologies can be totalitarian. They can be all-encompassing and a closed-up system, and that any deviation from that can always be uh, explained within the ideology itself. Mm. So you have people, let's say, who would say that they are talking with both sides of their of, of their mouth, and then again, their political ideology is very subjective and closed. Can always explain any deviation. Mm-hmm. So we are very, let's say, we are more than one person as individuals. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is that um, two things can be correct at the very same time. Mm. So that's how people view social media. Because when I access social media, I access from a very political point of view and my lived experience, what is a black, non-binary township, environmental, Marxist feminist. Mm-hmm. And I'll look for things that affirm that, but they are always premised on the, on the basis of, of who does not have what has informed this lack and how can the system be changed to make sure that any everybody can have and that eventually means that there are some people who have to uh, drop from their ivory towers and some people have to rise and we can meet in the middle yeah 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 brilliant actually uh, yeah, and, yeah. And so, uh, and so, I, and let me just, and the issue of data, right? Mm-hmm. I'm accessing, um, let's say, Twitter with a phone that my neighbor lent to me, mm-hmm. with data that someone had bought for me because I was doing a project for them. And sometimes I may have this phone, I may have this data, 
but I may not have coverage because I stay in in the township. Mm. So it's uh, social is a very privileged space, yeah. and it's a space that, uh, like a state of war, that reproduces certain uh, areas of 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 of, of, of oppression, mm. and that's how I always view it. So sometimes when we talk, we should always say that we are not in the, we're not in the same boat. We're in the same sea. Some of us have yachts. Some of us have have pedal boats and some of us are drowning so we should always try to to be kind and think of those and think of how our privilege keeps us in whatever space or maybe their social privilege due to access to to proximity to power whatever but how can we leverage that for the next person to get better and that's something that let's say the people who have or in the upper echelons of society can be so much disconnected but then again the flip side they're the ones who can actually have so much power to influence and to actually shape narrative. Yeah. Brilliant what you said. I take your line. We are not in the same boat, but we are in the same sea. Thank you so much to Nikita. We'll continue this conversation, try and round it off. If you want to join in, by the way, call us on 011-714-2006. You can also WhatsApp us on 0614104107. We're talking the power, if at all, of social media and the role that it played in inciting the violence that we had in our country last week. You're listening to SA. Stay on top of all meaningful top trending stories right here on SAFM. Leading the conversation. Hi, KG. Yeah, I'm from Woodbank. What I think is the problem in South Africa is there's a culture of violence. Uh, you, you, you find when the foreigners are being attacked, the locals would look at and say, I ah, know it's, it's foreigners. The bank trucks, I know the, the problem for the drivers, it's the transport industry. Now there's a taxi wars. People say, I ah, know it's a problem for people who work in Cape. Their own problem. After all, I don't have a taxi, I don't drive a taxi, I'm not a, a commuter, it's my own car. When they deliver the protest, they deliver the protest, they ban private properties. People say, ah, no, it's those things that happened in the location. I stay in the leafy suburbs. So we, we, we tend to look outside when violence is being perpetrated against other people. So that is the biggest problem. And the, the other thing is the government is very weak. Take for instance, right now they are saying, no, we want to hold meetings with the rebel taxis, what, 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 what. Okay, guys, when you do send your voice notes, make them short and quick and to the point. Uh, let's uh, try and round off our discussion. Um, it, it still is a scary space for me, uh, social media now. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, somebody referenced... Uh, uh, um, the Zuma daughter, uh, you know, uh, the tweets that uh, she had been sending and how uh, they felt uh, they're insightful. And, you know, somebody was saying, you know, uh, how do the, you know, the people who are uh, law enforcement agencies decide who it is that they take in and who it is that they don't? Because we watched her, uh, you know, uh, say some uh, pretty scary things in a scary time. So if you were to advise anyone, Sarah, as we round off with you before you go get vexed 
if you were to advise anybody uh, who comes into South Africa and, uh, you know, was tweeting probably from a different country and starts to live here uh, and they, they're getting into the South African Twitter space or Facebook space or whatever space, what kinds of things would you say to them? Beware of what or try not to do what? Oh, that's a good question. And, and anyone who goes into the protection social media space needs to firstly look after their mental health. I think that's, that's something we don't talk about nearly enough. It's not funny. Um, I shouldn't be laughing, yeah. But it's true. It's not yeah, it's true. I it's think true. Don't, don't soak tensions. I think always be aware of confirmation bias. So, you know, follow uh, and engage with people who have different views from your own. I think it's very tempting to only ever talk to people who you agree with anyway. And I, I think it's, it's much better for all of us if we learn to engage respectfully with people we disagree with. Mm. There isn't enough of that. Mm. Um, be kind. Your caller said be kind. Mm-hmm. It can be a bit of a fake mantra, but actually, yeah, first be kind. First mm. do no harm. Yeah. That is, and, and be, you know, and don't go in assuming you know everything. Listen yeah. more than you tweet. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, take lots of different uh, points of view into account. There, we live in a very scary, messy, complicated world, mm-hmm. and there's no reason that social media is going to be any less scary and messy. So be open to it. And when you need to step back and take a mental health break, do that. Yeah, so that's important too. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. By the way, good luck with your vex, and uh, thank you oh, for I'm, making the time to I'm talk to us while you're in the queue. Sorry? I'm, uh, I've just had my vaccine. Shout out to Sister Kreska. She Yay. was very excited. I told her I was on the radio. Well done. Well done. <laughs> well done. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited. So everyone... Please go and get vaccinated. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Enjoy your day. Thank you very much. Uh, Mighty Jamie, we're charting a way forward. So this person says to you, I'm joining South African Twitter. I've lived in East Europe for a long time. What kinds of things happen here? What should I look out for? You know, which direction should I be going? What would you say to them? Well, I'd say to them, you know, you must always engage with uh, humility and vigilance. Mm-hmm. Humility so that, you know, you stick to the facts and then you keep conversations respectful mm-hmm. and not to abandon your values, you know, your human values. People sometimes act as if they're not in the real world on Twitter. Mm. It's still, a, it's still a, a, a terrain that you need to have standards and norms and protocol. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, be vigilant because, like you said, they are trolls. They are paid accounts. Mm. They are abusive people on on Twitter. Mm. And sometimes you have to block those people. You have to get out of those conversations, Mm. out of those spaces, because mental health is a factor. But also you don't want to waste time talking with people who aren't talking genuinely uh, and have honest discussion. Mm. And those two things would be my guidelines, because you must have humility and you must also have vigilance. Just because you're a nice person doesn't mean you don't protect Mm. your garden or your home. Mm. And Social media spaces are like that. Otherwise, Zoshanya. Otherwise, Zoshanya. Listen, thank you to you too, uh, Mighty Jamie, for taking an hour out of your day to spend with me to My have uh, to have this conversation. I'll follow the both of them. Uh, thank you, Mighty Jamie. Mighty Jamie is on Twitter. Uh, uh, he is an independent political analyst. Sarah Britton uh, got on a queue and ended up getting vaccinated in the one hour that uh, we had this conversation with her. How amazing is this lovely, beautiful country? At least... Uh, 
if uh, you are into vaccination because, again, I don't want anybody to accuse me of uh, influencing uh, others to get vaccinated if that's not what they want. But if you want to get vaccinated, it looks like uh, in some places it's a quick in and out process. Thank you to both our guests, Sarah Britton and uh, Mighty Jamie. It's two o'clock now. It's time for the latest news on SAFM. Luyanda Mawome is standing by.